is the Parenting for Faith podcast from BRF Ministries. Parenting for Faith exists to help you help the children and teens in your life to meet and to know God. We do it through online events, courses and resources. And you can find out more at parentingforfaith.org. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm your host and part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. We are part of the charity BRF Ministries and we're here to equip you, the parents and carers, to help your children and teens meet and know God. And I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for this brand new season. Hope the summer went well. I'm not talking about the weather. We all know that was rubbish. But if you live in the UK, that shouldn't be news to you. Um, But whether the summer looked exactly the same for you or completely different, whether you loved it or survived it, um, we made it through and we're really glad that you're joining us for season seven. Now, this season is going to be all about our journey with our kids. So as we journey through life with our kids and teens, there are loads of ups and downs, aren't there? Bumps in the road, places where they zoom ahead or places where we just need to pause. And they're important issues that we want to keep part of the conversation and we want to help them to navigate. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like really ill-equipped to deal with some of this stuff. And so what we've done for this season is grab some experts and had some conversations with them about, okay, you've done some research into this or you have some experience of it. Can you help us to work out our next step? So I'll give you some examples. So we're going to be talking today about the one where your child makes a faith commitment. Uh, but other things in the season are going to be like when your child asks you about sex or when they encounter porn, when they have friendship dramas, when they get a phone, all sorts of different things. And they might be things that we see coming. They might be things that come as a total surprise. But you know those moments as a parent where you go, oh, OK, we need to talk about this or we need to navigate this together. That's what we're looking at this season. And we're kicking off this week with Christy Thomas from Little Shoots Deep Roots. But before I go on to her, it is the start of a new school year. And so there are a few notices, a few announcements of things that I'd love to tell you about. So firstly, we are doing the Parenting for Faith course, the original course, um, starting on the 25th of September. Now, this course, as many of you will know, is free and online for you to do at any time that you want to. So if you want to treat it like the next Netflix series to binge and watch it while you're folding the washing on your own, that's absolutely fine. But you can also uh, really learn a lot from doing it in community, doing it with a group. And so we're facilitating that on Zoom. And you do need to book onto that. You need to go onto the BRF online website. We'll pop a link in the show notes. And uh, that closes on the 21st of September. So it's worth getting two or three families together. You can do it as a church group, as a group of friends and signing up for that. We'd love to see you there. I'm afraid there aren't any places for individuals left. So you do need to be part of a group if you want to join us for that. Secondly, we've got a pop up small group, uh, which is what we call our Facebook live events. The pop up bit is to make it sound exciting, you know, like a sort of pop up food market or whatever. But just to say, it really works when we get in community to talk about things. But we know sometimes it's hard to make that a regular commitment. So we've done some sessions just on really key topics. And we're going to be talking about how to talk to your kids about TV and screen time. And I'm going to be joined by the fantastic Joanna Adenike Burford, who is a TV presenter and actress. So she really lives in this world. And she's going to be giving us some advice and wisdom on how to guide our children through that. 
And then if that wasn't enough, one more date for your diaries. Um, We are celebrating the launch of my new book, Being God's Child, A Parent's Guide, which came out at the end of July. It's still available with a night just for you to rest and relax as a parent. Uh, So it's going to be the 28th of September, eight o'clock. Just click attending on the Facebook event. Again, the link will be in the show notes there. And it's really a night for you as a parent to breathe, to connect with God. And we're going to be talking about three different ways to do that. And not ways for super parents who have perfect routines and everything in order. But for those of us who are muddling through, who feel like we can't even remember how to pray and where our Bibles are and, you know, some of those things sometimes. But it's just an hour to get in your diary, to stop, to think, to be together. I've got some special guests coming uh, and I'm going to be co-hosting that with the wonderful Lucy. So it would be great to see you there. That is also completely free. So um, click attending, even if you're not certain if you're going to be able to come, uh, because that will give you a link to a special discount code, uh, which it will go live. There's going to be a flash sale of the Being God's Child book straight after that. But without further ado, let's go over to the conversation between Lucy and Christy. Today on the podcast, I am so excited to be with Christy Thomas. Christy is the founder of littleshootsdeeproots.com, which is a website which uh, helps encourage Christian parents to disciple their kids without having to know it all or do it all. Sounds good to me. She is a Western Canadian homeschool mom of three boys during the day, and she encourages Christian parents by night over on her website. And on her social media platforms, she's also the author of several books for Christian parents and families. And she is a Kidman leader of many, many years experience. Thank you so much, Christy, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So just kick us off, Christy. Tell us, what are we talking about? When we talk about a faith commitment, what are we looking for? What kind of clues will our child or our teenager give us? What's it all about? For sure. Well, I think it's going to look a little bit different in each denomination as well. Um, depending on where you are, you, your child might be saying, Hey, I want to be baptized. My child probably wouldn't say that because they didn't grow up in a denomination that has, um, teenagers getting baptized. (laughs) So in our denomination, you would do profession of faith in yours. It might be, they might see teenagers or young adults or even adults doing confirmation. Uh, so there's a kind of a variety of like these big public faith commitments that you can see, but along the way, there are other things that happen that, that kind of have to happen in their spirits before they're ready to make those faith, those big public faith commitments. So we would maybe consider this a conversion moment. Uh, although I've come to realize that a lot of kids who grow up in the church don't really have the memories of a conversion moment. I do. I think I was four or five, but most kids don't. And so I don't want to discount their testimonies by thinking it always has to look like this, like single moment where you say the sinner's prayer or something like that. I think that these moments that lead up to the big public moment, it just happens in these small daily moments rather than the big dramatic conversions for most kids anyway, especially those who grew up with Christian parents talking to them all the time. I had, uh, there was a lady at my church who said she was talking to her daughter. Do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? And her daughter was like, what for? He's already there. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> and then she, she didn't remember when or how or why, but she just knew that Jesus was already her best friend. He was already in her heart. He, you know, whatever language you want to use there, he, he was already there. Can I tell you some personal stories from my own kids? So I have the three boys and they're currently 14, 11, almost 12 and nine. And I have the notes app on my phone. So when I hear 
have a little conversation like this with my kids, I always write it down because I don't want to forget these moments. And I want to be able to share these moments with them too, as they get older, like, oh, did you know this happened to you? You probably don't remember it, but I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when my oldest, who are now 14 and 11, they were five and they were almost three. So it was probably like nine years ago, the, the little one. Okay. I was in the bathroom at the time. So I wasn't watching this conversation. I just overheard it while I was in the bathroom. The little one says, I have Jesus in my heart. And the five-year-old says, no, you don't. I have Jesus in my heart. And the little (laughs) one goes, yes, I do have Jesus in my heart. And then the older one says, no, you don't. You have to ask him, Jesus, will you please come into my brother's heart? Thank you. Amen. And then I come out of the bathroom and I said, what were you talking about? And they wouldn't tell me. And then I asked the little, little, little one, I said, you have Jesus in your heart? And he says, yes. So I have no idea what brought on that conversation, but I'm convinced that this was just one of those little moments that just happened. And we don't, like God was moving in his spirit at that moment as a almost three-year-old and God did the thing, not me. I wasn't even in the room. <laughs> yeah. How precious. What a precious memory. I just, I just love these little moments. So none of them are like these big dramatic, we pray the sinner's prayer moment. Right. But, but there are all these moments that go along the way. And then uh, more recently with my youngest, he's, he's nine now. So like six months ago, I think we were talking through Titus three, four to seven, which is really long and a little bit obtuse. (laughs) And I explained it was, it's talking about like being justified. And I said, justified means God doesn't see our sins anymore. He sees us through Jesus. That's what it means to be saved. And I said, you know what you need to do to be saved? Just say, Jesus, I want to be saved. And I was just kind of being silly. And he looks at me and he says, I just said that in my head. Jesus, I want to be saved. And he just kind of giggled and he looked at me with his eyes glowing. He didn't want to dwell on it. I was like crying. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He was like, mom, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Those, Those are the little moments that I just, I know that God sees those moments and God is honoring those moments. And even if my kids don't remember those moments, those are the things that are just kind of just keep turning their faces back to God. Or maybe it's just God taking their chin in his hands and just turning their faces back to him over and over and over again. That's so precious. And I love what you are saying about recording these moments as well. That's such a good idea because we so often... I don't know, keep a scrapbook or a a baby book or a memory book with, you know, when the first tooth came out or when the first haircut took place or things like that. And what you're doing is really um, archiving those precious little moments that if you don't write them down, you might forget. And like you say, your children might not remember anyway. It's so precious to write those down and to have this kind of path of a faith journey uh, going through. Does this journey look the same? For every child is it is it going to be a similar kind of process do you think I mean in some ways yes I mean there's the process of God turning our hearts to him and then us responding to that and the saving and the profession of faith in some format but of course that is going to look a little bit different specifically in each person's life like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day she's in her 30s now and she told me I didn't want to do profession of faith when I was a teenager because I didn't think anybody would take it seriously so she chose to wait until she was 18 or 19 before she did that. And, and yet I did to profession of faith classes with children as young as 10. And I've seen, you know, some of my friends online whose kids are getting baptized at seven, eight years old. <laughs> so obviously it's different. And I know that 
there are some kids that are just more sensitive to that than others are. Some kids might never make that choice on their own. I remember personally saying to my parents, I want to get baptized when I was probably around 14 years old, but um, lots of other kids, they need to be a little prompted by their parents. Do you think this is the time for you? And now I would be really careful about that because I don't ever want to push my children into doing something that they're not ready for. And yet sometimes I think that we need to push our kids a little bit to like, are you serious about this? Are you ready? Are you, are you ready to be a little bit uncomfortable to either get wet in, in baptism <laughs> or stand up in front of the church and say, yes, I believe this. Sometimes I think maybe it's just fear that holds us back to from making those professions. That's really helpful. And I was just wondering on that, whether you can give any insight into kind of any clues that we might be looking for in our child or our teenager that they might be ready to make that public declaration of faith, whether that's uh, a baptism confirmation, the, the two most common ones here in the UK or profession of faith, any kind of clues we should be looking for? I would just look for somebody, a child who does seem to be earnestly, like actually loving God. And so they're not, not a child that's not making mistakes, not a child that doesn't, that looks like an adult in a child's body that has an adult's faith, but a child that, that cares about what God thinks a child that has probably done some version of a sinner's prayer, some, some sort of thing where they recognize that they are a sinner in need of God's grace. Now we can talk about what the gospel is. It it should definitely be a child that understands what the gospel is and how it impacts their life. I mean, a four-year-old might say, I want to get baptized, but I would contend that's probably a little bit young Mm because I don't know if you can really understand the full gospel at four years old. Not that, not that we ever really fully understand it, but yeah. I don't know. I guess you, the thing is that every child is a little bit different and you have to know your child. So, you know, a child that understands the gospel, a child that is repentant, because um, repentant, if you can't be repentant, then, I mean, that's the core of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I accept that I need you because I'm a sinner, then are you even a Christian? And yeah, just, it's really just about the gospel, I would say. Mm. So the gospel is just the good news of how God sees you and treats you. He, he made you, he adores you, but you and and me and everyone else on this planet, we've sinned. And it breaks that relationship between us and God, because he is holy and God's holiness and our sinfulness are like oil and water. They don't mix. Mm. God fixed it from his end by coming as a man to remove the power of sin over us through his death and resurrection. And he invites us into relationship with him. Our job is to believe in his love. We accept his forgiveness. We say, I'm sorry. And then we put our hand in his and let him help us choose love every day. And so the gospel brings so much freedom. It brings freedom to us and to our kids. It frees us from the expectation that we're going to behave well, because, you know, our kids are sinners, we're sinners. And it also reminds us to depend on God for our goodness and there are, there are so many ways that you can explain the gospel to your kids and see if they understand it. And you're not going to say it exactly the same way as me. Uh, if you want a really simple way to present the gospel to your kids to see if they are really kind of getting it, there's this really cute book by Dandy Daly Mackel. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but the book is called Wow, the Good News in Four Words. And the four words are wow, which represents creation and how God made us to be in relationship with him. And the second word is, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> which as you can guess represents our sin. So we have wow and uh-oh. And then we have yes, which is Jesus saying yes to saving us by taking our sin on himself. 
and then ah, which represents our restored relationship with God. So wow, uh oh, yes, and ah. I love that. I think we need to link that in the show notes. And I think it's good to remind ourselves as well that that gospel can't be shared enough with our children. You know, I sometimes kind of think, well, my kids know the gospel, so we're going to move on and do other bits of the Bible and Christian living. But, you know, I was talking to one of my children the other day and they didn't give the answers I was expecting. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) And I thought, gosh, I've, I've got to keep telling them this gospel because the world is telling them something entirely different the world is telling them that their value is because of what they do or how they present themselves mm. and that's totally contrary to the gospel and actually I need to keep sharing the gospel with my children now that's really helpful thank you Christine I like what you said about you know every parent knowing their child every child will respond differently but as a parent you instinctively know what is going in, on in your child's heart and and how how genuine they are I suppose and how ready they are so I think it's good to be able to kind of trust our guts on that as well something you've been sharing about on social media recently which we at Parenting for Faith are all over is about sacred pathways can you just share a little bit more about that with our listeners what are sacred pathways and how can they help us to nurture our children's faith sure I love sacred pathways they're something that I discovered way back when I was a young adult because I am not a young adult anymore (laughs) (laughs) And they're first described by Gary Thomas and they're kind of like love languages, except for your soul. So most people know what love languages are, even if they're not familiar with all the different things, they just know that different people feel loved in different ways and different people worship in different ways and feel connected to God in different ways. Uh, You can think of it like a spiritual personality or a worship style. So for example, some people find it easiest to worship God while they're in nature. A lot of people will say this, I would rather just be in the forest than in a church. (laughs) And, And that is how I worship God. Other people love to sing. And then there's some people in my family that just kind of stand there. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't love that other people love to th- wrestle with theology and philosophy and how god and the bible connect and for some people that sounds like torture <laughs> so none of these are wrong and well i think that it's helpful to try to experience some of each of these in our lifetimes we're going to naturally lean to some of them and feel a little bit maybe even almost repelled by some of the other ones and i think actually this on a side note is a lot of the reason why we have different denominations, because you can actually see different denominations reflecting some of these more than others. Yeah. So, okay. So the nine, there's nine sacred pathways. And the first one is the naturalist, which is the person who just loves to worship when they're outside They're even for a child, they're the one who sees a rainbow and goes, wow, God made that. Isn't he amazing? Mm. They're just nature brings them to worship. You have your traditionalist who worships most easily through liturgy and rhythms and routines. And I think for kids, at least all kids have a little bit of traditionalist in them. Yeah, (laughs) They might not love like full on liturgy, but rhythms and routines are really important for kids and their faith growth. And then we have the enthusiast. That's your kid who just wants to dance during a church service. And maybe you give them a flag and they're waving it at the back. They worship exuberantly. Maybe there are some children that are prophesying when they're really young and praying in the spirit. These are your enthusiasts and they're not um, if you're like an intellectual, you can look at an enthusiast and go, wow, that's just emotionalism. And an enthusiast would look at an intellectual and say, well, you're really missing out. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we have to remember that we are all different and these are all valid expressions of our worship. And so we have our intellectual who worships through learning. And then we have our caregivers who worship through serving others. So if you think about your little ones that just like to help around the house or they like to help you, that that can be an act of worship. Mm. Or creating a homeless bag for a family. Um, we finally filled up our, our, not filled up our van, but we made a few new homeless bags the other day. And my son and husband were out and he, come, he comes home and he's like, we have to grab a homeless bag. We forgot to put them in the van. We have to go back. So he made my husband go back and give that pack to the homeless person that they found in the parking lot. And I was like, that's an act of worship. And then there's also the activists. It's kind of the flip side of the caregiver, which is where you're worshiping God through standing up for others. So there are some kids who have a really serious sense of justice Mm. and it can, it can come across negatively when they're little or for anybody, your sense of justice can come across negatively, but you can use that as a way to worship by standing up for others. I mean, when Jesus says in the Bible, the whole Bible says, you know, true worship is this taking care of the widows and the orphans, your activists and your caregivers are all over this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the ascetic or ascetic, I'm not entirely sure how to, I think there's two ways to pronounce it, but you think that, think about like a, a little child monk, Okay. <laughs> like somebody who's like, like, I actually think I have one of these who like covers, he used to cover his ears during church. Like he couldn't handle the, the music or the noise. Mm. And um, just, they just need quiet and not a lot of sensory input. They just, they worship the easiest when it's, there's just peace around them. And the opposite of that would be the sensate who's like, give me all the stained glass windows and all the incense and all the singing and everything. They just want all their senses engaged. And then you have the contemplative, which would worship best through just kind of this quiet reflection. So they may be the kind of person who really leans into breath prayers or just that more contemplative type of worship. And kids can be like that too. There can be kids that just like, I just know Jesus loves me. Like I have had kids tell me, Jesus, God told me he loves me and he wrapped his arms around me. Like (laughs) those would be the kids who are, would lean toward the contemplative. So I think it helps to be aware of these because what might look like disinterest in a child could actually be just that God wired them a different way. So I kind of think of it like taking this piece of wood, which represents God, same God, same, you know, father, son, and Holy spirit with these various whole shapes in it. And some of them are star shapes. Some of them are circles. Some of them are square, same God, but with different access points. So if I'm a circle, probably going to expect that my kids are going to be a circle. So if I'm an intellectual, I'm going to teach my kids in an intellectual kind of way. But what if my child is actually an enthusiast, just needs me to blast the worship music all the time, mm. <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm like ascetic and I'm like, I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but our, so when we recognize that there are these different legitimate ways to worship God and to connect with God that can really empower us to, to help us reach our children because our children are different from us. So I actually have an entire ebook on the sacred pathways. And if any of your listeners want to have a free quiz that you can link that kind of helps you figure out, you know, what your child might mean to it's not going to be like a definitive, your child is an enthusiast and will always be an enthusiast, but it might help you kind of just think through. Yeah, that sounds super helpful. And we will link that in the show notes. Thank you, Christy. And um, I just wanted to pick up on what you said just now about if your child appears to not be engaging, because I was going to ask, and I think the sacred pathways, if I'm hearing you right, have a lot to say about this. I was going to ask about a child who isn't showing 
any interest in faith. You know, we we always are parenting for faith. We are very kind of obviously pro-faith and pro-discipleship in the home, pro-nurturing your child's faith and, and want to go in really positively. But we're also just really aware that for many of us, the real, reality is we have one or more children who doesn't want to come to church or isn't reading the Bible, isn't praying, has kind of decided to to not um not kind of pursue the faith or maybe they haven't made a decision but they're sort of you know they're wavering they're not as as into Jesus as we might hope that they would be so what what would you say here if we have a child who's not showing any interest in faith or or maybe they're happy to sort of come along to church with us but thing, things aren't really clicking for them what what advice what encouragement would you give to to us then well I would say that it's not on you you are not the master of your child's faith and that is between your child and God. So there are three people in a family faith context. There is your child whose heart is the one that we're talking about. There's God who it says in the Bible, God is the one who takes the hard hearts and makes them into soft hearts. That is not our job. Our job is just the planting seeds. And so if you think about the parable of the sower, sometimes those seeds fall on good soil and sometimes those seeds fall on rocky soil or weedy soil. So you and I, as parents, we can, we can try and like clear that soil of rocks and we can try and clear that soil of weeds. But in the end, it's our child's relationship with God, not mine. And so one thing that we can do that sometimes we don't give enough credence to is pray. Obviously we're going to, but not just like pray for your child's soul. I mean, like, God, give me insight into what my child needs at this particular moment, mm. because God is really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> and I have found so many times where, you know, for a long time, I was like really anti-apologetics. Like, I just felt like this is not helpful. I feel like most people, you can't argue people's way into Christianity. And so then my kids started asking some questions and I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this stuff because I was anti-apologetics. And then I was praying about it and I realized, no, my kids actually do need me to go into this at least a little bit. So I found some kind of kid-friendly books and we read through them and actually built all our faith, I think. So just really connecting with God about, how, how can I be the best parent in this situation? Maybe, maybe God wants me to pursue more. Maybe God needs me to just sit back and let him do the work. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the safer pathways can really help like having that as an idea, like, okay, maybe my child is actually just looking for a different kind of expression of faith mm. than the one that I've given them so far. Like, I, I don't mean like a, a diff, like a different faith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mean like, let's go Buddhist or something. Wrong podcast. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> exactly. I just mean, maybe they need the apologetics when you weren't interested in apologetics, or maybe you need to back off the apologetics and your child needs to walk a labyrinth while praying. Sometimes as parents, we see these kids that aren't having an interest in faith and our fear just rises. And out of our fear, we do all kinds of things that unintentionally push our kids away from faith. We don't let them ask questions. We start, Oh my goodness, you have to come to church with me and you have to be singing right now. And Oh, I've, I've been, <laughs> I've had a few conversations with my kids. Why are you not singing in church? Like, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, Oh my goodness, if they're not singing in church, they're not worshiping God. And then they're going to be screwed up for eternity. <laughs> so it's this fear that rises in us. So when I say keep praying, I don't just mean praying for your child. I mean, praying for yourself. Pray that you would not parent out of a spirit of fear. Pray that you would have insight into what your child needs right now. Pray that you would be the best possible parent that your child could have right now, that you would 
be able to give them so much grace and so much patience and peace and trust that God is working in your child's heart. Their journey isn't over yet. I heard one lady tell me once that her son had done something really stupid in this uh, this lady at church had told her, oh, don't worry, dear. He's just working on his testimony. <laughs> <laughs> and we need those good testimonies to encourage the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. Missy, <laughs> that's been so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you say about praying for insight into what's going on in our child's hearts, you know, not just praying for them, but really praying that God would reveal something to us that would help us parent them in the best possible way. And Christy, tell us where we can find you online, your books, your socials. Tell us all the stuff. <laughs> well, are you, do you have another half an hour? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you can find me online at littleshootsdebroots.com. So that's the main website. And then I'm mostly on Instagram as Little Shoots Deep Roots. Uh, I'm also on TikTok. If you have TikTok people at Little Shoots Deep Roots and the same at I just got a threads account. So then, of course, I have the books as well. So two of them are picture books. Oh, I'm pointing at them, but your listeners obviously can't see me pointing. Um, so Quinn's Promise for Rock and Quinn Says Goodbye are just about where is God when things are not perfect in my life. So Quinn's Promise Rock is where is God when I'm scared. And Quinn says goodbye is where is God when bad things happen to me? I also have a preschool devotional uh, currently called Wise for Salvation. It will eventually be re-released as my first devotional. So depending on when this comes out, (laughs) it'll be one of those two books. So that's like a preschool interactive devotional where you like play your way through the Bible. And then Fruitful is a family devotional on the fruit of the spirit as seen through Jesus. So it's like a walk through the gospels and we look at how Jesus experiences or exhibits all the fruit of the spirit and then how the Holy spirit may want to grow that in us as well. So it's not about, okay, we're going to be more kind today. It's about how, how does Jesus show kindness and how does the Holy spirit want to grow kindness in you? Because that's what the fruit is all about. And then lastly, we have the mother son prayer journal, which is a walk through the life of David. And we pray through it uh, in really fun ways. I have the three boys. So unfortunately, I don't have a mother-daughter prayer journal, but there are lots of options out there (laughs) with things like that. So there aren't a lot of options for mother-son prayer journal. As far as I know, this is the only one. So it, it helps you. It's a devotional. It helps you connect with your son. It helps him write down some really simple prayers. Like it's not a lot of writing, I promise. And then there's also a place for you every day to write down your own prayers for your son. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been absolutely fabulous having this conversation with you. Now, long-time listeners will know that we like to end our podcast with a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. We are going to change it up this week for something a little bit different and give you a challenge instead. So your challenge is to go to Christy's website and take the quiz with your child to discover how they best connect with God those sacred pathways that she was talking about. Now, I know what it can be like with all these tests and things. You can feel like we're pigeonholing kids or pigeonholing ourselves. It's not about that. Don't worry about any labels or anything like that. Um, But it's just an interesting conversation starter for discovering what really gets us excited about God. That could be a few different things, a few different pathways, not just one. And it might change as we get older, but I think that is going to be a great conversation starter. So go over to Christy's site and uh, take that quiz now. We'll be back next week with Claire Letha from Head to Heart Books talking about friendship dramas. See you then. Bye.
thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.